Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, episode number 48. My name is Dean Millard and remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. And we're going to talk about the health of your plants at home if you are growing or anywhere that you are growing and how you can figure out just what is going right or wrong with your plant on today's episode. That and much more after we find out what's your groove. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? Kind of grabs you by the boo-boo, don't it? Pipe in a grape, bong in a blitz. This is great. This is the bee's knees. Can you dig it? So when I say what's your groove, I want to know if you're smoking a joint, bong, uh, capsules, edibles, drink, anything. Anything to do with the cannabis plant. If you are consuming during the show, Hit me up at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter and let me know what you're grooving with. I'm going with uh, blueberry from spinach. Blue Dream is uh, my favorite uh, strain, uh, and blueberry uh, blueberry obviously plays uh, a, a role. Um, blueberry for me is uh, it, and I, I picked the uh, uh, one gram pre roll up from spinach. Actually, grabbed it from Rocky Mountain Roots. If you're in St. Albert, new cannabis store. Uh, it's where the uh, new building of uh, the old Pizza Hut and the new Pizza Hut are. Uh, so I checked out the the local store, mom and pop shop, picked up some blueberry uh, from uh, spinach. Um, it's got uh, the terpenes I love uh, as far as uh, caryophylline, uh, which is my uh, absolute favorite. Uh, but you also got some pinene in there. You got some myrcene in there. So... I am going to get my groove on with blueberry, an absolute classic, tasty strain right now. It's uh, it's a legend. Um, it's got some Thai, some Afghani, as far as uh, some lineage. So um, it's a, it's a very, uh, I find it a very relaxing strain. So there we go. I am grooving with a little uh, blueberry uh, from spinach. As for what we're going to groove with on the program today, Dave Damer from Test Fire Labs is going to join us. Uh, they've developed an app called Canary.ai. Literally, you can find out the health of your plant by taking a picture and using this app. It's awesome. Technology uh, is so brilliant these days. Chris Ianson, of course. Manager of Nova Cannabis, Jasper Avenue, and our educator on What's That Strain. We are exploring Renew, which is Alien Dog from Soleil on the program today. And Malcolm LaBelle, of course, from 
the Green Generation Co. is back for the latest Bud Biz Buzz on the business of cannabis. We'll have our cannabis question, uh, which is about wake and bake, and we'll have a prize pack for that. We'll tell you how you can get 50% off a promo code, uh, with the promo code, rather, for a DNA kit at Lobo Genetics. And we'll uh, also let you know how you can subscribe to the Weed Weekly and get in on our monthly giveaway. So let's get things going with the cannabis question. It's prize time. Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe in a crepe, bong in a blint. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. Cannabis question on this episode. What is your go-to strain for a wake and bake? You got a day off, you got no real plans, or you don't have anything that you have to be terribly productive at, and you want to wake and bake? That's what I love. I absolutely love those days. I love taking my coffee and whatever I'm using that day, joint bong, supernova, volcano, out on my uh, little deck area. And having a morning wake and bake, uh, I absolutely love it. And and I, my go-to is Jack Herrera. It's an energizing sativa, does not make me paranoid, but instead focused. Uh, it's fruity, spicy. It's also named after the emperor of hemp. Um, it's it's I love it. Uh, Rio Bravo uh, is very uh, close to Jack Herrera from uh, what I've read. So that's one that I love. Uh, the Jack Hayes from Seven Acres is really good. So anything with Jack Herrera. Um, I had some... Uh, uh cracker jack the other day and man was that good it was a combination of uh, green crack or god green crack and and jack Herrera. so that's my go-to for wake and bake i want to know what your go-to is uh, hit us up on any of our social media feeds uh, you can just find us at the cannabis 101 podcast on twitter instagram facebook linkedin or you can email me cannabis101podcast at gmail.com if you would like to be anonymous. That is totally cool with us. You could win yourself a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack just for chiming in on the uh, cannabis question. Uh, if you're going to wake and bake, what is your go-to strain when you're going to do it? Uh, for me, as mentioned, it is uh, Jack Herrera. Uh, any of the variations that go along with that. So love to hear your thoughts. Uh, hit me up on any of our social media feeds and we'll go from there. As for what pairs well with cannabis, that is anything that you think goes well with the plant. For me, it's barbecuing, especially now. I'm a big cigar guy too, so sometimes I'll just have a cigar out there, but a joint while I'm cooking, maybe a beer, I'm not sure, depending on the day, is, is pure awesomeness for me. And if you gave me a choice of a, of a cold beer on a hot day or a joint, I'm still taking the joint. I just love it. Uh, and, I, and I love barbecuing as well. So um, some music, uh, a joint, and a barbecue, sign me up. I can be there 
all day long. Okay, before we get to Dave Damer of uh, Test Fire Labs, I uh, just want to tell you about the Weed Weekly. You can get in on what's happening with the Cannabis 101 podcast by subscribing to the Weed Weekly, Weed Weekly at www.cannabis101podcast.ca. There you can sign up and it puts you in the mix for our monthly prize pack, but only for subscribers to the Cannabis 101 podcast. Plus, it's an easy way to keep up with what is hopefully one of your favorite podcasts. Well, one of my favorite artists is My Dead Dog, and uh, he gave us the wonderful song called The Weed Song. Listen to the short version of this one before we get into things with Dave Damer from Test Fire Labs chatting about Canary.ai. <laughs> canary.ai uh, the app that tells you about the health of your pl- your plants here's the weed song from my dead dog This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Pleased to welcome to the program from uh, Test Fire Labs, Dave Damer is joining us. We're going to talk about a really, really cool uh, app uh, that they have developed, Canary.ai. Uh, Dave, first of all, thanks very much for uh, joining me on the, the program. Um, how has uh, 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 pandemic, uh, self-isolation, uh, life through COVID-19, how has it been for you? Well, thanks for having me on, Dean. Uh, you know, the life has changed. Uh, I think for all of us, and it's uh, it's been interesting. It's not all bad. Uh, it's been some great opportunities to reconnect with people in different ways, and more time with my family and kids. Uh, some of that's good. Some of it might be too much time, uh, but uh, you know, we're we're kind of just rolling with it and doing what we can do. So, you know, I, I think it's been a huge transition. Uh, you know, I've come from a technology background, so. Moving from being in an office to being working from home for me wasn't a huge shift. Uh, it's definitely something I've had to do over many years. So I don't know if I had the same kind of shock that most people would have had. From, right. you know, I always go to an office. I have a very specific routine. I've rarely had a specific routine in my life. So you know, for me, it's been a little bit easier in ways because it's part of my training. But <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's been okay. <laughs> yeah, I uh, don't ask my wife about uh, a little bit too much time together because I think she's, uh, uh, you know, but it, it's it's interesting. We went the other day here in uh, St. Albert where uh, we are and just we're out looking at, uh, you know, like plants and you get some trees and just things like that. And there were lineups almost everywhere. And we basically just looked at each other and said, well, this is this is the way it's going to be for a little bit. And, and this is life for right now. And. You know, if it ever, when it ever gets back to some kind of normalcy, 
then we'll deal with it then. But until then, we all have to be a little bit patient and, and have to adjust. And, you know, like you, I work from home, so it hasn't been that much of a shock. Uh, but for a lot of people, it was. And uh, hopefully that resumes. But I think we all just have to be a little bit more patient these days with everything. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to help everybody cope at this stage. And you know, I think I see it on, I'm in conference calls pretty much all day long. And, you know, people are, are still apologizing for their kids or their dogs or their cats or right. some noise in the background. And I'm like, yeah, get over it. This is, this is the new normal. So, yeah. you know, we just uh, have to accept it and move on. And there's no, there's no drama. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, let's uh, chat before we get into uh, Canary uh, AI. Let's uh, just chat a little bit about uh, Test Fire Labs. And you mentioned, um, you know, you're in the the technology industry. So tell us a little bit about uh, Test Fire Labs and and kind of you know the 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 story behind it. Yeah, sure. So like my background, I'm a computer engineer out of the University of Alberta here. Worked uh, in and around Edmonton my whole life with a few stints abroad, like away from town in uh, Toronto and New York and whatnot. But always I've been circling around the communication space. So telecommunications, voice communications, whatnot. So I had about you know 25 years of history in, in those areas. And when artificial intelligence started to come of age, shall we say, several years ago, uh, you know, I had some ideas around how that could be applied to communication. So started <clears throat> started Testfire Labs with the idea to make a business productivity company developing software for the workplace, really focusing around what's called natural language processing, which is really anything artificial intelligence that has to do with speech-to-text, text-to-speech, language analysis, um, dealing with a lot of unstructured text and how you can make that more valuable. Uh, and so I started up Testfire Labs with kind of this lofty idea of creating something like a Jarvis for business, uh, oh. get the Iron Man reference. And uh, we've been working away on that for a little over three years, and it's turned into a, a very large and complicated project. Uh, but we're having some good, making some good successes on that front. And then about a year ago, we uh, got involved in a computer vision project um, around cannabis. So that's kind of what kicked off the Canary uh, product. It's interesting when, when, you know, people, well, some people, when they hear the term AI, they get really scared because of <laughs> movies and things like that. But, um, you know, is is the technology in around AI, which is a broad kind of a term, I guess, is it rapidly developing, like continually, or uh, is it been a slow development? Yeah, I don't think we've seen, so it's not like somebody flipping a switch by any means. You know, AI itself has been with us for decades. Um, you know, since the 40s and 50s, there's been research in artificial intelligence and even when I went to university back in the 80s, um, you know, I studied LISP and artificial intelligence and computer engineering. And, you know, the, the problems were more theoretical. Uh, and now it's becoming more what they call applied, which means you can actually put it into use for very specific cases. And that's really been the result of computing power having expanded over the last five years. You know, five years ago, you didn't quite have the processing power to be able to do the kinds of things we can do with AI today, certainly not in real time. And now the, you know, the acceleration of computing capacity alone has allowed us to be able to do things like speech recognition, image recognition, 
uh, you know, workflows that are automated, all those things that need to happen in, in kind of near real time scenarios to be valuable. So AI is going to be this relatively slow transition of introduction because part of AI in itself is this learning process where you have to refine models and improve them over time and feed them new data to make them better. And that definitely doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to be ripping up uh, street signs and <laughs> lights in the next five years. I think 20 years from now, will it be dominantly automated cars? Yeah. Um, will they be whizzing through intersections that are uncontrolled? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the introduction of these technologies does definitely take time. And I think it gives us time for, you know, refocusing economic effort, uh, changing what the workplace looks like, changing jobs, getting new training. Uh, I think it's going to be ongoing for the next decade or so here. And I think it's going to give people time not to be as shocked by it or scared by it. At least uh, that's some of the, the ideas in terms of ethical AI that uh, companies are trying to ease into as this transition happens. So, uh, having said that, how did you guys, uh, um, I don't know if it was, if stumble, uh, onto this, uh, app canary, um, or, or what the right word might be, but how, you know, how did you guys end up uh, developing and, 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 you know, helping to develop this app? Well, there was, uh, a few things that came together at the right time. So one of the big, uh, producers, uh, I guess it would, I can say it, it was Canopy Rivers, which is the investment arm of Canopy, the producer, mm -hmm. put out a venture prize uh, for innovation and growing. And uh, it was a million-dollar venture prize, which caught our attention. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> we did some, some thinking about how we could apply artificial intelligence to the space. And I did a little bit of research, and we shortlisted a few ideas, and then I did some more research. Ultimately, it ends up, all AI ends up in doing a lot of reading and research. And I found a, a PhD uh, in Greece, actually, that had uh, some extensive knowledge in using computer vision for plants, not cannabis, but for mostly leaf, uh, leaf lettuce and whatnot, and reached out to him. And he was kind of excited to apply the work he had done in agriculture to cannabis. Uh, and we had some willing partners with some data and uh, things just came together. So we worked on this model for about eight months. And after eight months, we had it working with a little over 91% accuracy. And I guess, you know, what is Canary? It's uh, essentially a plant health detector using standard cameras. So you can take a snapshot of a plant or multiple plants and it'll identify if those plants are healthy or if they have one of eight uh, popular plant issues. So, you know, anything from um, powdery mildew, which is, you know, happens almost all the time, uh, aphids, spider mites, uh, if you've got a nitrogen, phosphorus, or potassium deficiency. So it can identify all those based on the pattern of the leaf, the color of the leaf, and the shape of the leaf. 
It's amazing. Um, it can tell if it's not a plant. I took a picture of myself. It said 100% not a plant. Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> and that's just the, the first introduction. But I mean, when you can, uh, you know, dictate uh, or, or decipher, you know, you have this or this or you don't have this if your your plant is healthy. I mean, uh, this is the, the home grower's dream um, to be able to you know, we're, we're allowed four plants and then there's, you know, other places that, uh, that have more plants, but, um, this is something that, you know, uh, allows you to, to be able to diagnose, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, almost a hundred percent accuracy. Um, you know, what are some of the functions as far as, um, uh, multiple plants and things like that of canary? Yeah. So yeah, I think you alluded to that. It's, uh, there's a multi-stage model in place here. So you, as you said, the very first thing we do is identify is this plant not plant, and then the next filter is is it a cannabis plant or some other kind of plant? We don't identify the other plants, but we know cannabis not cannabis. Right. And this is kind of how computer vision and artificial intelligence work. So we are basically creating categories. Uh, so it's a very binary category. <clears throat> Once we've determined it's a cannabis plant, then we're passing it through the health filter, but. Even before we do that, we put it through another filter that segments the image, it's called, which means we carve it up into individual plants. So you could take a picture of, you know, a, a grow floor with 10 plants in one direction and 10 plants in another direction. So you'd have 100 plants. And so long as each of those plant segments are one megapixel or more, then we can identify the disease issues on the plant. Uh, so after the image is segmented or not, then it goes through the health filter and then it immediately returns the results on what the status of the plant is. Hmm. This is, uh, uh, it's just, I think it's so cool. And, and as mentioned, um, you know, if you're, uh, if you have a, a, a grow, a larger grow up as far as an LP or something like that, um, you know, this is a way to make sure everything is healthy. Uh, you know, what has the reaction been like? Because this is perfect for home growers or, uh, larger operations, um, you know, what have, what have you heard back from, from people that have been using it and testing it out so far? Well, yeah, we, we ultimately produced the consumer app as a way to gather more image data, not really thinking of a way that we could commercialize the consumer app, but it is out there on the Android store right now. Uh, we had to take it down briefly from the Apple store. We'll be throwing it back up uh, sometime next month. But if you do have an Android device, anybody can try it out for free, uh, canary.ai. We've had about a 1,000 people download it so far and try it out. And uh, a lot of those have been commercial producers that we were negotiating with to, to get our product into commercial growth. So we have a couple of commercial growers that we've engaged with now doing trials and about a dozen others that we're talking to. And really what we're trying to do now is find ways to integrate it into their operations. Uh, so that if they already have cameras deployed, great. If they don't have cameras deployed, they're looking for recommendations on how to do that. Uh, and if they do have cameras, so a lot of them have security cameras, obviously, but are those images good enough quality to do the plant health detection? Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a, a quality test that we have to walk them through there. Uh, so the reaction has been, you know, a lot of, a lot of interest. Uh, I think it was a bit, uh, unfortunate timing with what happened in the cannabis sure. industry over the last year, but uh, it's starting to come back, and uh, you know people are starting to get more focused on 
optimizing their operations. You know, I, I, I think when things first started out in the cannabis space, it was a little wild west and people are just, you know, going into this and growing and, you know, maybe, maybe not a, not a ton of science behind it, but a good master grower. And I think as the, as the industry evolves here, it's going to take more of a data focused approach and you need to really take those, the knowledge of those successful master growers and find ways to replicate that. Uh, so you can have some consistency in, in operations and grows. And we're really counting on that uh, to build those relationships with commercial providers. So. Um, the, uh, the, the pitcher quality, as you mentioned, is there a, you know, a, like a minimum quality that you, that you, you need uh, for this to work? Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, one megapixel for the image. Uh, and that one megapixel would be for an individual plant. So if you took, like a 25 megapixel picture off your cell phone of, you know, a couple dozen plants that likely would work just fine. Okay. Uh, yeah. How about the process of fine tuning it? I mean, I, I'm always interested in, uh, and, and I don't know what it's like on the, in the tech side, uh, but you know, like, uh, with the, the guys from Burt designs, when they came in and they were telling me about making the hexagon and you know, you, you're, you're putting it in and you bring it out and it's not the right. And you got to go back to the drawing board or halfway back or, or things like that. Uh, I'm always interested in the process of, you know, you have the idea and, and you, you, you almost have it. How do you like fine tune it? What was that process like? And, and what is that process like in your field? Yeah. So it, it actually is quite a process. So for the initial model, what we had to do was find a selection of images in each of the disease or pest or nutrition issues that we wanted to be able to detect. And we needed a minimum of 100 images per issue. So we had to collect those, validate that those were actually the issues that right. were in that picture. Uh, and then there are interesting things you can do with computer, uh, computer image training in AI. Uh, so you can use one image and then get multiple images out of that one image that you can use for training. So the ways you can do that are flipping the image like a mirror image. You can introduce noise into the image so you can reduce or, or rescan the resolution to a different resolution rate. Uh, we can do minor color change things within the image. So from one image, we can usually produce you know, anywhere from two to almost 10 uh, sample images that can be used for training. So that was the initial, you know, building the model, uh, hundred images per issue. We had to collect those and validate them and then put them into the model until we got the performance we wanted. Since then we've appended that with an additional 5,000 images. Uh, and those were ones we built a program to scrape images off Reddit and other social source sources, uh, that were validated based on the comments. So we had to tag those images and categorize them as well. Because there are different things that we also look for. So we look for, you know, is this plant outdoors? Is it an indoor grow? Is it an LED light grow? And you need different images for all those categories. Uh, so the tuning process is always ongoing. And now with the consumer app, as images come in from the consumer app, we can add those to our image library. Uh, so they, what, some of the people that we collect images from on the commercial side, they also have in-house labs. So if they do spot an issue, they're validating that that issue is the issue, that it is powdery mildew or it is a nitrogen deficiency. And that 
helps us reinforce that that image is correct, uh, which just makes the value of that to the model higher. We're speaking with Dave Damer of Testfire Labs. Uh, they have created uh, an app uh, called Canary where uh, you basically take a picture of your cannabis plant um, and it tells you um, the health, uh, the specific disease, or, you know, I, I, I'd imagine it gives you the uh, thumbs up clean bin of health uh, if, if, you, if it can't detect any of those diseases, which is the best news that any home grower can get, I'd imagine. As for the app, you're talking about, um, you know, the, the fine tuning process is always continuing. And, and I guess is that where uh, you guys continue to update or are there any plans to update or expand uh, the app into, into other uh, aspects of the cannabis plant? Yeah, definitely, Dean. We're looking at uh, things like monitoring the actual growth of the plant based on uh, using some sizing references. So when you expect to see the plant bifurcate, when you expect to see it leaf, to bloom, bud, uh, you know, looking at actual bud quality, density, huh. uh, you know, that, so definitely, you know, as we add more image data to the mix, we can start looking for more subtle changes. Uh, I think definitely when you get into the commercial growth space, we're really looking to improve the overall accuracy on the key issues that those groups uh, tend to have. Uh, so that requires just a ton more data and just getting that model tight. Uh, the other thing that we're looking to do with the app is to be able to add in other sources of data. So on the commercial side, uh, that's adding in things like environmental data, uh, both inside the grow operation and even outdoors, which has some effect. Uh, we're looking at energy consumption uh, when it comes to growing those plants. And we're also looking at things like lighting distribution. So there are some lighting optimization things that we can do around grows uh, to say, you know, like you've got a, you've got a bit of a dim spot here or you're over lighting here. Uh, so those are, you know, anything that can provide, consume more data and provide more valuable feedback is what we're looking to do. Right. Yeah. Try to cover and, you know, almost uh, think of every kind of scenario that uh, the grower might have. And it kind of becomes a, a you know, a one-stop uh, uh, growing app. Has this uh, kind of experience, has it, uh, you know, provided any other ideas or, uh, you know, tech things that you think uh, are, are coming for you? And, you know, sometimes you get doing something and you're like, you know what, this would also be a good idea. Has this inspired anything else for you? Yeah, I think we've uh, been talking to uh, growers here in Alberta, greenhouse growers of just produce. Uh, so we've met with a couple of cucumber growers. We've met with a forestry, a seedling forestry company. Uh, we're just looking for ways we can retrain this model into different areas of agriculture. So uh, interesting, had, had a discussion with a European uh, grower, and I guess a few years ago they got hit really hard with a tomato virus. Hmm. Uh, that wiped out uh, something like, I think he said it was something like 44,000 acres of indoor tomato plants uh, a few years back. Wow. And just made a huge glut in the tomato market in Europe. And uh, North American producers are really worried about that tomato virus coming here. So so that was another area we were looking at as a result of this. But all in the agriculture space, just not necessarily cannabis. Mm-hmm. Do you think AI, uh, the technology, um, and, and again, that's a, you know, a, a broad term, but works well in the cannabis industry? I mean, the cannabis industry is so new. Um, is it almost like a, is, is it a great place to, uh, 
you know, test out a bunch of technology because the legal industry uh, is so new or, or, or how does kind of AI technology fit in the developing industry right now? Well, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for growers right now to look at AI, but more importantly, look at the data they're collecting. Because ultimately, what you need with AI is good data. Right. And you need it over time, and you need it well-labeled. So, you know, any growers that are not capturing that data, it's really a missed opportunity right now. Because they can be using that data to optimize their growth in the future, to automate different processes. And it's just going to make it easier for more consistent, replicatable results uh, down the road. And it's going to make them more profitable and competitive. So, you know, really, it, it is the time if not now, a, a year ago or two years ago, <laughs> to be really looking at how you can use AI in your grow. Because uh, that that is going to be the ultimate task is how do we do this consistently over time and make it the best, highest producing, highest quality product you can possibly get at the end of the day. And uh, collecting data and using it is the way to do that. Yeah, and automation is uh, you know a very common part. And uh, depending on what LP you're talking about, some have... You know, uh, some automation, some have uh, very little even human contact uh, uh, with the plant. And, and you know, that's, uh, I just look at this uh, this uh, industry and, you know, there's there's going to be, um, I think, ideas growing out of it uh, so much when it comes to how technology can help, uh, you know, uh, understand the plant even and, and get the most out of the plant. As we as we begin to understand more and more about the plant, we're going to have to figure out how to how to use that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, a lot of research being done, and you know, I think that's one of the things that, you know, pre-legalization, you couldn't do the research, and right. now that we can, research takes a long time. So, <laughs> so it's going to be a while before we have definitive results, but uh, I'm glad to see people are pursuing that. Yeah, you know, the you know I love that I can go to uh, my local cannabis store and buy a pre-roll and come home and smoke it or, you know, put something in a bong and you know, my neighbor's not calling the cops on me. That's a great thing about legalization. Um, but the research into this plant is, for me, that's the crown jewel of legalization. And as you mentioned, it takes time. We all have anecdotal anecdotal evidence, but that doesn't get uh, the plant uh, in the forefronts of uh, some, some, you know, rule makers and doctors actual evidence does and and as you mentioned that takes time to provide uh because nobody wants to go on a short sample size and nobody will go on a short sample size so now that we actually can dive into the plant i can't wait to start finding out more and more uh, cannabinoids and and the different uses that we have for whether it's hemp or the the, the marijuana or whatever you want to call it i just think the uh the possibilities right now seem endless with this plant when it comes to research Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree. What do you think of the legalization process so far uh, in Canada? How do you think uh, it's rolled out uh, through uh, since October 2018? Well, I think the introduction of uh, of the actual bud product into the market was reasonably well done. I'm a little, uh, I guess, put off by the packaging from an environmental perspective, but uh, you know that you. If you buy a gram, it comes in this plastic container that's the same size as if you buy three and a half or seven grams. <laughs> and it's like, you know, um, um, because of the regulation around packaging, I think that's the thing I feel the most guilty about when I visit my local dispensary. 
says that you come out with a bag full of plastic containers that contain what you normally would have gotten in a very, very small Ziploc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think, you know, there's some advancement that could be done there in terms of the packaging side and, uh, you know, just the, the overall marketing. Uh, but, uh, I, I think I'm pretty happy with it overall. Uh, they've done a good job at the stores. The marketing and merchandising is pretty sharp. Uh, people are fairly well educated. The bud tenders, as they call them, you know, seem to have a pretty good background knowledge on what they're selling. So, I think that's been a good experience. I think every store I've gone into, I've had a good experience. So, yeah, packaging, um, and you know, the you know, especially here in Alberta, the taxes where we're uh, the the second highest uh, uh, excise tax when it comes to cannabis in in the country. But you're right, the packaging was something that uh, right off the bat caught everybody's attention. I think it has uh, become a little bit better. There are a lot of companies now, for instance, using just uh, pouches, uh, little one gram bags instead of those plastic tubs. Uh, and I think at the beginning it was like, okay, the government is put, uh, you know, forcing us to put X amount of stuff on it. Well, we have to make the packaging X amount of size to fit all the warnings and everything that we have to put on there from the government. So I think it was obviously a, a, a learning curve that, uh, you know, some of the LPs have gotten better at um, when it comes to that packaging, because you're right. Um, you know, anybody who was familiar with cannabis before legalization knows that um, it it doesn't need to come in that big of a tub. Yeah, well, and it's also, I would say, you know, it's, they're aligning it with the tobacco industry, which I think creates some not necessarily scientifically meaningful, but certainly negative connotations. Right. You know, there there is no direct connection between cannabis consumption and cancer uh, in any meaningful way yet it's marketed and sold the same way that tobacco is, mm-hmm. which has a clear uh, scientifically proven evidence of, you know, can't being a carcinogen. So, you know, I, it could be maybe more in line with, you know, the actual scientific research in the space. Mm-hmm. And with the introduction of edibles, I think that was interesting, you know, like the 10 milligram cap on edibles. Uh, so you get this 200 calorie chocolate bar that has 10 right. milligrams of each. <laughs> So, so some of the proportioning is probably not in line with the actual product or the effectiveness of the product in the marketplace. You know, I think uh, uh, like Washington State uh, took a took a far more liberal stance on that, and so you see a huge beverage proliferation and edible proliferation there that we're not seeing at all in Canada. Certainly not on the legal side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing the difference between um, you know in in Vegas you can buy CBD at a kiosk in a mall, uh, and in in Canada it's much different. And you know I I hope my expectation is at least that it will um, develop as we go, uh, and and they will realize that okay, well this doesn't need to be as strict or this uh, you know because it's a product that uh, these people make but they can't advertise and it's really hard to have a successful uh, business that way. So I, I hope in time uh, that things do um, develop and, and, and progress uh, to a, a more marketable and, and enjoyable solution. What, and, and it's meant, it's interesting. You mentioned the edibles because that was uh, the first, it was flour. And then the next thing was the edibles. And then we see drinks and, and now vape pens. And there's always uh, seems to be something as of late developing, coming out a new product. Um, what is the next big thing in cannabis in your mind? Um, uh, as far as it could be anything, I guess, but what do you think is the next big thing that's going to excite people in cannabis? 
Yeah, I think, uh, well, one of the things that uh, kind of caught my attention is there are a bunch of companies now that are doing uh, similar to a 23andMe where they'll actually analyze your DNA to see which strain is the right strain for you and mm-hmm. how it will affect you uh, in advance, which I think is quite interesting. You know, like that's certainly the thing that um, any bud tender has a hard time with right now because everybody gets affected differently. So actually matching the strains and their particular chemical compounds to your consumption, metabolism, genetics. Uh, I, I think that's just kind of a cool area. So, Well, that's, uh, th- that's fitting because um, we have uh, on this show, uh, we have a, an affiliation with uh, Lobo Genetics who do that exact thing. Uh, they will send you a DNA kit Uh, You take a swab, you send it back, and it tells you exactly how you metabolize cannabis. Uh, It will also uh, uh, talk about any risks that you may be at when it comes to THC and memory or or mental health and and then recommends exactly strains. It's like having your own uh, bud tender depending on what your mood. And shameless plug, you can get a uh, 50% off a DNA kit by using the promo code cannabis. 101 all one word uh but that is such a, an interesting thing dave that that we we can we can uh we can fine-tune our cannabis use basically by that by those means yeah exactly i, I think that's that's super cool because you know you you never know what you're going to get when you get into it but actually having that scientifically guided information to be able to go oh this strain will potentially make me feel this way at least based on the science and then right. you can try it out going into it a little more eyes wide open instead of just raw experimentation because you know as as this product proliferates obviously you know people are working on custom strains building all these different uh, you know doing genetic manipulation to make new strains and so we're just seeing more and more selection and sometimes choice isn't always a great thing better <laughs> to know exactly what you're going to get sometimes at the end of the day no doubt. Uh, Dave, this has been a fun conversation. Uh, I, I really look forward to using your app once I get my uh, uh, four plants going here at home. Uh, I think it's great. It's uh, uh, The app is canary.ai. Uh, you can uh, find more information at testfirelabs.com. Dave, thanks very much for joining me. Best of luck with things and hope we can chat down the road. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Dean. It was a pleasure. is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Really cool stuff going on with uh, Test Fire Labs and uh, some of the AI things that uh, will be happening and are happening in the cannabis industry. You can check out One Hitters later this week featuring Dave Damer. As we get to know his cannabis history, he's got some really cool stories, uh, particularly some cool European overseas stories uh, about his cannabis history. You can find that and full episodes at www.cannabis101podcast.ca. You can also subscribe to the Weed Weekly and qualify for our monthly giveaway. And I want to remind you that the Cannabis and Hemp Expo that was supposed to happen in April has now been moved uh, to October 3rd and 4th at the Edmonton Expo Center. You can get tickets online at www.cannabis, 
hempexpo.com. We'll be there on location. We'll be uh, putting together episodes of the Cannabis 101 podcast. So I'd love if you're heading to the show for you to stop by and say hello and join an episode. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, so we'll be on location there at the Edmonton Expo Center, October 3rd and 4th. We'll have some tickets to give away as we get closer to the show. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> and beyond. Maybe care with that, man. Uh, is it heavy stuff, man? <laughs> The cannabis character that uh, I'm doing this week is uh, the Sherpa from Entourage, played by Val Kilmer. It's a one-off character, I'm pretty sure. I'm Well, I know. I watched that series about four times, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to kick it off here in the next little while and, and watch it once again because it really was one of my favorites. And Val Kilmer's uh, episode where there was a weed drought in L.A. and Hollywood, and they finally find this guy through... Uh, one of the girls that Vinny's dating, and it's Val Kilmer, the Sherpa. Um, so they go there to buy weed from this character, and it's amazing. Like, I thought Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison was amazing. I, so much so, I thought they were using archived footage, and, and he looked so much and act like so much like Jim Morrison. And I don't know if he was uh, channeling a little bit of Jim Morrison this one, but... Uh, the Sherpa is also a poet who knows it and not entirely in touch with reality as he meets the guys, uh, including Johnny Drama, who he's a big fan of, uh, before they sit down and hit the hookah. Johnny Drama? I'm Johnny Drama. I'm a fan, man. When's the next season of Viking Quest, dude? He got canceled seven years ago. <laughs> Earth is moving. Did you feel that? Everything, all the time. There's dimensions we can't even see. Everything is evolving. Turtle, you're a dove. <laughs> That's cool. Can I hit that? Chirp. Thanks. You afraid of getting busted? Busted? I'm entrusted. I don't steal. I heal. I'm not getting stoned. We're getting honed. <laughs> my probation officer is one of my best customers. <laughs> I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner of uh, war. War on drugs. It's also negative, man. I mean, the man's most positive, positive tip is a negative. He's a mega negative. <laughs> right? Fight your quest! Man, let them be low. We are getting high. Uh, such a beautiful scene. Such a great job by Val Kilmer. My favorite part is the, the, the beginning here. Johnny Drama. I'm Johnny Drama. I'm a fan, man. When's the next season of Viking Quest, dude? He got canceled seven years ago. Seven years ago. So there's 
Val Kilmer as the Sherpa on Entourage. Uh, it's definitely like, the 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 visual is really good as well. So our cannabis character Val Kilmer, the Sherpa on Entourage, and I want to remind you if you're a fan of this uh, show and a past listener, you know that you can get fifty percent off a DNA kit from Lobo Genetics when you use the promo code Cannabis One Hundred One, all one word. Cannabis 101. Head to lobogene.com and get your cannabis metabolism figured out. How you metabolize cannabis. Are you at risk uh, for memory loss or for mental health risks due to THC? And once you get your swab done and you send it back, they'll start recommending specific strains uh, depending on what you want to get out of that strain. You want to be happy, you want to be calm, you want to be focused, you want to be relaxed. All that good stuff that you want to know. It's like having your own bud tender. So the promo code CANNABIS101, all one word, at lobogene.com gets you 50% off a DNA kit. It's like having your own bud tender. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. My good friend Chris Ionson, the manager of Nova Cannabis Jasper Avenue, joining me as our educator here on What's That Strain for the Cannabis 101 podcast. Chris, good to chat with you. It was uh, good to see you quickly the other day when I popped in uh, to get the uh, strain we're doing today. Uh, again, using uh, the Leafly click and collect uh, system that you guys have. Uh, you head onto that Leafly site, pick out what you want. Uh, order it up and uh, by the time you get there it's uh, ready and waiting and and it really is uh, a safety factor right now Uh, I know we're starting to wind things up a little bit but we still want to take precautions for the consumer and for the bud tender yeah uh, you nailed it Dean and 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 thanks for having me too buddy Um, yeah the click and collect's been going uh, really great Uh, a lot of our regulars at the Jasper application are using it uh, and and it, it is working out great. Uh, we're definitely trying to be as quick as we can when the orders do come in. The computer, you know, at the front kind of makes a ding, and then you know we get right on it. Um, but yeah, just trying to minimize, minimize time in the store. I mean, that's that's a step that we can do to uh, you know try and reduce uh, reduce things here with what's going on in the world. Um, you know, it's not going to be a forever thing, but uh, I mean, it's great to peruse the menu from home though and, and see what we do have in stock. Uh, so. Yeah, people should be uh, checking it out. I hope it does continue after this. I certainly will be using it, and uh, you know, I use it uh, uh, when I go uh, wherever now, as many places as I can. I order ahead because I like to know what I'm getting. I, you know, as as much as I love touring around Edmonton, I don't really like going driving shop to shop to shop looking for what you want. So this is a perfect way to know exactly what you want, where it is, uh, order it, and you're in. So I picked up uh, this Renew uh, from Soleil Cannabis, which is alien dog uh, and it is an indica chris and soleil Mm -hmm. cannabis is under the umbrella of afria so let's chat a little bit about this company that was founded in 2014 by a pair of greenhouse operators yeah for sure so yeah uh 2014 uh, cole cassia villani and john servini um they started the company and uh and they brought in uh vic newfeld 
uh, to be their uh, CEO in the formative years. And uh, yeah, they started out as a medical provider uh, and kind of gearing up towards uh, the legalization of cannabis. Uh, and yeah, they've done done really well with the, the brands that uh, that are under their, their umbrella there. You know, and uh, this is a, like a lot of companies that started out on the medical side, legalization happens October 2018 and uh, they dive into that portfolio and you know for this company before that happened there were a couple of big milestones one of them being the Toronto Stock Exchange yeah that's that's a got to be a big deal for sure for a company uh in March of uh, 2017 uh they were listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange uh, as well as uh, in December of 2017, the big year for the company, uh, it was announced that Shoppers Drug Mart would uh, would sell their products online uh, on their medicinal uh, side of things, uh, and that's that's a pretty big move with uh, Shoppers Drug Mart being all you know all over um, all over the country, and uh, you know with several users uh, medicinal users. So uh, big big move there for Afria. And then in January 18, things get uh, even uh, better and and bigger, I guess, because uh, a couple of big acquisitions for Afria as the company just uh, keeps on growing. Yeah, for sure. They've been uh, aggressive uh, and uh, some of their acquisitions have been tremendous too. Uh, First, uh, Broken Coast Cannabis uh, in January 2018. Yeah, they took them over the $230 million uh, in, in cash and stock uh, deal and uh, Broken Coast, I, we've talked about them on the show. They are uh, a small batch boutique cannabis, uh, you know, top uh, in the top tier of, of licensed producers that we carry. Every every Broken Coast package that I've gotten has been, you know, tremendous. So uh, that was a big acquisition. Uh, as well, uh, they purchased uh, Nuvera, uh, and that's a, a, a Brampton-based company, uh, and that, that that was for eight hundred twenty-six million. Uh, and Nuvera was acquired in part uh, due to its market position internationally, uh, especially in in Germany and Italy. So uh, they've got their their eyes set on the on the global uh, game for for cannabis. So you mentioned Broken Coast. Uh, we're obviously talking about uh, Soleil, um, just one of the few under the Afria umbrella. Um, who else uh, do you see uh, in your store that you're providing to the customers, as far as um, you know, other brands under the Afria umbrella? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, Soleil, uh, Broken Coast, uh, Riff uh, is another uh, rec strain. Uh, Riff is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of have this kind of in-your-face kind of marketing. Uh, kind of reminds me of like a skateboard magazine. Yeah. Uh, it's very, uh, you know, rock and roll. Uh, and, uh, you know, very uh, very similar to like Soleil. They kind of they offset each other a little bit. Um, where Soleil is a little bit more uh, on the relaxing side with their marketing, you know, they'll put, you know, a cup of tea and, and slippers, uh, you know, with, with this strain, whereas, you know, Riff will have very loud kind of images. Um, but uh, yeah, Riff is, is another great brand. Uh, Good Supply too has been tremendous uh, in the last couple of months with uh, kind of a cost efficient cannabis, like quality stuff that doesn't cost a bunch. Um, so yeah, those, those four, Soleil, Rift, Good Supply, Broken Coast, uh, you know, and also to begin, uh, you know, the Quest, uh, Cannabis too, they were helping to distribute them, uh, in the early days too. So, um, has definitely got, uh, four killer brands, uh, on the go that uh, are selling well in in our Alberta stores. That is a, a stable full of uh, stud brands. I mean, you're right. I love the description you gave 
of riff. It uh, it kind of reminds me of like 1980s graffiti art or like uh, yeah. like, like the, the Warriors movie. You warriors are good. We are <laughs> the best. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> they, they, if if they ever if they ever allow marketing, you got to get Cyrus as your uh, your brand ambassador. It's just got that cool edgy riff uh, or edgy feel to it. I like that. I like that description that you gave. Uh, and and those are those are uh, you know cool brands and and really great cannabis that you know people can find right here in Alberta. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'm very familiar with all four. Uh, just yesterday, I had. Uh, uh, a monkey's glue uh, pre-roll from Good Supply. That was uh, super impressive. Uh, like it was, just, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it, and it's a really cool kind of sativa glue strain. So uh, neat genetics they're doing too. Uh, yeah, kudos to the Afria company for sure. Beautiful. Let's talk about Afria One, uh, which is uh, a pretty interesting production facility. Yeah, it is for sure. Uh, so the Afria One's out of uh, Leamington, Ontario. And Leamington's actually the, the greenhouse capital of Canada, so just the greenhouses for days out there. Uh, and this facility is, uh, you know, is expected to have an annual production of 110,000 kilograms uh, of, of cannabis when in full crop rotation. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's already kind of, they're, pu- they're pumping out a lot of stuff. Uh, there's also a lot of add-ons, too, that they're going to be doing uh, in the coming years to that facility, too. Um, so, yeah. Definitely uh, a neat facility. We got to talk to Dean about uh, uh, Afria One has its own cogeneration power plant. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's pretty cool. It utilizes uh, natural gas to generate electricity. Uh, kind of self-sufficient uh, in, a, in a way, uh, but it also makes it one of the most expensive greenhouses in Canada. Um, and also with it, with that too, uh, the facility comes with the. A uh, very heavy uh, automation uh, process kind of in place there, where there's minimal human human interaction with the cannabis. A lot of it is is uh, automated, uh, which is uh, kind of cool, but scary too. When I think of you know <laughs> that's Terminator. A- <laughs> Yeah, all the movies start flooding back, but uh, wow, that is a this is a powerful automated uh, system uh, going on yeah. there at Afria One. Uh, now, uh, I, I found this interesting when I was in uh, picking up uh, the Renew. We were chatting uh, very briefly as I uh, click, collect, and gone. But I did notice that uh, um, there's a, a, a um, I don't know if a drive or a, a food bank donation that you guys have going that Afria was part of. Yeah as well so what's going on with that yeah for sure so i mean with uh you know with all this going on in the world uh elkana uh nova's kind of parent company is is trying to step out and help out the alberta food bank Uh, and they've kind of worked out like a mutual donation uh in partnership with some of our vendors uh from the cannabis and alcohol side uh and afria stepped up huge with it with a large donation and uh uh, you know, we raised a hundred thousand from our vendors, and and that was actually matched by Alcana. So uh, we put together two hundred thousand uh, dollar donation to the Alberta Food Bank just this past month. So pretty awesome. Uh, it was great to be partnered up with Afri on that too. So got to give them a shout out for that. Beautiful. So when we talk about history, um, when it comes to you know Renew, which is Alien Dog, um, tell me about uh, how Northern California and Afghanistan have come together to create this strain we're talking about today. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so, it, I mean, Alien Dog is, is, is a cross between Chem Dog, uh, a Northern California classic, uh, and Alien Technology. Uh, and so, well, and I'll get into Alien Technology here, uh, but uh, Chem Dog, uh, you know, has developed quite the name for itself uh, over the years. Um, it is the cross of uh, uh, Nepalese and Thai land race strains. Um, you know, it's got, uh, you know, these ambiguous genetics, uh, pl- uh, plethora of successful crosses. Uh, Chem Dog's been the, the parent to several uh, really badass strains of cannabis. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, you know, pretty much secured itself, a, you know, a place in the, in the Cannabis Hall of Fame. Um, you know, creating strains like Sour Diesel, OG Kush, uh, you know, and it's, it's known for that, like, distinct diesel uh, aroma when you, when you smell the bud. Um, so Chem Dog is a classic. It's uh, one of my faves. I do get some, some Chem Dogs are a little too buzzy for me though. So I usually like to like, I'm going to roll some Chem Dogs. I'll throw in some Indica in there too, just mm-hmm. to chill things out. Uh, but alien technology is kind of a cool story. Uh, not much is known about it other than, uh, it is a land race strain, uh, selected from a handful of seeds, uh, acquired by the breeder, uh, OB Soul 33T. Uh, and he got these seeds from a U.S. soldier returning from Afghanistan, um, and so it's a, it's a pure indica, and it features, uh, you know, light green buds, uh, incredible trichome production, um, which you know we'll talk about in a second here when we when we get into the looks of this alien dog. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool though. Uh, you know, this U.S. soldier uh, brings these seeds back, uh, and they they get the name Alien Technology. So uh, Chem Dog and Alien Technology gives us Alien Dog. What an awesome story. I mean, that's the stuff I love learning about in this segment is the the fact that, you know, when I fire this up in a joint or I'm having a, uh, a bowl in my uh, vaporizer uh, that I'm doing it because a soldier, you know, who is obviously cannabis friendly decided to bring back some seeds and that's amazing. That's why we have this strain. Uh, you know, it just, uh, you know, kind of gives you, you uh, something to think about when you're consuming that cannabis is where it actually came from. And, I, and that's that's probably my favorite thing about this segment is is learning some of the cool backstories that we have, whether it was, you know, Franco's lemon cheese or or this story. And we wouldn't have this strain if this didn't happen. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. Uh, it makes me want to like be a part of, you know, a story like this myself, like yeah. you know, have like a, have like an Ian's and Kush out there. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd love to see some movies made about uh, how some of these uh, kind of strains came to be. But speaking of movies, yeah. when you go to the website, sole.ca and that's S O L E I.ca, uh, they have some really good educational stuff. They have an educational page, um, including how to open their bags. And, and we'll get to that in a second because their bags are hard to open. Even they admit it, but it, it's got a very cool, relaxing vibe to that website, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's very chill. Um, very e- easy on the eyes. The, the color scheme is, is super, uh, warm and, uh, and relaxing. Um, yeah. And they've got the, you know, the, the, the tea, the, you know, mug, mug of tea and the, uh, the slippers and, uh, you know, it's a very, uh, kind of a, a chill website for sure. A hundred percent. So the THC on this one gram bag that I have is 18 and a half, but you have some pre-rolls, uh, with some higher levels of THC out there. Yeah, we, we for sure. And, uh, I'm sure there's probably some of the listeners that are familiar with these. Um, 
in in the past, uh, and I currently don't have any right now, but uh, we we've seen the half gram pre rolls from Soleil Renew uh, that have come in at thirty two percent THC. Uh, very strong, strong stuff. Uh, definitely not for beginners. Uh, when we do get those in and, and they go on our menu, uh, we do get a lot of people that come into the store and, and are, are you know super concerned about uh, THC levels and uh, you know those those fly off the shelves. Um, they are super nice. So uh, yeah, we got quite a fluctuation. I mean, eighteen percent to, to thirty two. Um, but uh, it's funny that's how it shows up too. That that range is how it shows up. You know, when we're you know looking to purchase. Some Soleil Alien Dog because it's coming at that. So, hmm. well, yeah, it's I, you cool. know, I would always recommend people try to buy their cannabis, um, you know, through uh, things. You know, THC has a factor, but other things. But if those, uh, for are those people that are looking for that uh, super high THC, keep your eye out for those uh, yeah. new pre rolls for sure because uh, that's that's a whopper. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen anything really come too too close to that. So. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're nice and they do come in. They do make a lot of people happy. Uh, yeah. So watch for them people. All right. What's in a name with renew? Um, I'll, I'll give you my, uh, interpretation. Uh, when I look on the website, I see a pair of slippers. Uh, it's suggested for nighttime use. I'm thinking renew means, uh, you're getting ready for a new day late at night. Uh, how does that uh, slide for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, man. It's, uh, yeah. You know, you're, you're wrapping up your day and you're looking to, you know, renew for the next day. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the style they were going for. All the Soleil strain names um, kind of have a little bit to do with, you know, the effect you'll get. So, um, yeah, very, uh, very true. Uh, with that, uh, and then Alien Dog, Dean, we've got just a, kind of a genetic name play there. Yep. With the alien Technologies crossed with ChemDog. Not hard to figure out that one for sure uh, when you're just looking at uh, straight, uh, straight genetics. Now, uh, when we're looking at this, the look, uh, and I include the, the price in this, when I picked it up, less than nine bucks uh, for a one gram uh, pouch uh, is uh, really, really affordable. Uh, but uh, what do you see when you uh, tell us about the packaging? Yeah, so uh, it comes in the little pouch there. Um, now, the... These pouches can be, you give them a rip, uh, they can be a little tricky to get into. Um, it does have on the backside, though, the little illustration on, uh, you know, tear, grip, and sliding it. Um, but yeah, it's a little small one gram bag. I think it's all it needs to be, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you know, sorry, when you talk about the packaging though, she, the, the, uh, their, uh, the video host on their website admits that they are kind of adult proof. Like I had a hard time. Uh, we, my wife, uh, we tried it. We watched the video 10 times. We ended up putting on, uh, like rubber dish soap gloves and, and getting it open that way. So it is a bit of a struggle, but as they mentioned, it's childproof. So, uh, sometimes adult proof as well, but, uh, right, right size packaging though. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, for sure. It doesn't need to be any, any bigger than that. What do you see when you open it up? Ooh, uh, I like what I saw when I opened it up. Uh, bright green buds, uh, real kind of vivid color to it, uh, with some like faint light brown pistols. Uh, my favorite part about it was the trichome coverage. So oh, it was, uh, wow. Right? It was covered, uh, you know, the buds, you know, top to bottom. Um, really good coverage of trichomes and uh, when I put my light on it, uh, yeah, it, it shown. It was uh, it was really nice. Yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. What'd you get for a whiff? What first smell? 
Uh, earthy is, is kind of the, the, the main thing. Uh, and then kind of like a, a sour and, and, and pungent uh, to it. And then deep, deep, deep smell, uh, the hints of berry. Uh, kind of like, I saw this when I was looking it up and then I smelt it afterwards. And I was like, that, that does match up like sour soothers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, uh, kind of what I got from it, but uh, like earthy sour soothers. For sure, earthy uh, definitely is uh, kind of the strong one for me, and and you know that makes sense when you see the terpene list. Uh, what are we looking at for terpenes, which kind of plays into the entourage effect and certainly uh, into some of the smell and taste. Yeah, for sure. So the terpenes we have for this alien dog are, are limonene, uh, which is the citrusy kind of flavors, uh, caryophyllene, you know, black pepper, your fave. Uh, and then nursing, uh, which can give us kind of an, that earthy, uh, where the earthy notes are coming from there. Yeah, some uh, pretty well-known terpenes that are, are prominent in a lot of really great strains. And that leads us into the desired effect, which terpenes play uh, a, a little part in as well. But uh, what's the what's the desired effect, knowing that everybody is a little bit different when they, uh, de- when they uh, consume cannabis? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, my take on the effects uh, for this were uh, super chill on the body. Uh, I got incredibly relaxed, uh, but not sleepy, uh, which was nice. So, I, you know, I put, put a show on and I was able to <laughs> watch the whole show without uh, taking a nap. So that was nice. Uh, it's also a pretty, pretty mellow high. Like it's uh, super relaxing, uh, very enjoyable if you're looking for, you know, that winding down your day kind of indica. Uh, alien dog's pretty cool for that. Yeah, I like the uh, the mellow high without worrying about you know falling asleep right away. Uh, I, that that's a great uh, late evening kind of strain, uh, or not late evening, early evening kind of strain that you know you're yeah. not worrying about falling asleep by eight thirty uh, before the uh, the movie is over. So I like that. So that leads us into the three W's: who, what, and when is this good for? Uh, so yeah, the who, um, I'm definitely going to say not for beginners. Uh, if you're new to cannabis, don't jump into a strain like alien dog. Um, but, uh, it, it's more so for, you know, uh, intermediate to advanced. I think if you're, uh, you know, you've been going for a little while in level two, uh, and kind of thinking about taking the next step, I think it would be kind of a lead into level three. I would agree with that. I think that, uh, like I, I think a beginner might fall right asleep, uh, maybe not used to uh, the amount of the, the that high of a THC level. Uh, but but I think if uh, if you've been using for uh, consuming uh, cannabis or using cannabis uh, for a while, and uh, you you know you you're used to some higher THC strains, then this is a really nice one to give a try to. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, the uh, what and when. So, uh, for the what, uh, I, I watching movies on the couch. It's <laughs> real good strain for that. Uh, I'm sure there's like, multiple strains that are good for that, but I, I just really enjoyed that when I was hitting my alien dog. Uh, I also found like, um, inner reflection contemplation. I, I had some, uh, some deep thought moments, uh, you know, with myself, uh, you know, which was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, and, and also it's really good for re- relaxing after a long day too. Uh, you know, if you've had a stressful day, um, you can just kind of hit the alien dog and, and just melt into the couch a little bit. Uh, it feels real good. All right. So again, as we mentioned, maybe not the most, uh, uh, productive strain to have if you have a busy day, if you have nothing on uh, the plans, maybe a nice Sunday afternoon or something, this is perfect, but 
I'm I'm looking forward to this uh, uh, to to throwing on some Netflix or Crave or something like that later on with this and uh, just chilling out and watching some movie. Now that I, I have no more Last Dance to watch, I watched it all already, Chris. So I got to find something yeah. else to watch with my uh, Renew, uh, the Alien Dog that we're uh, going for today. So all right, uh, the taste. Um, you know, I I I'll I'll tell you what what I get uh, primarily and some sort of like a earthy burst with maybe the the mercine but what are the other tastes that you get from uh renew i think uh earthy for sure uh and, and spicy as well there's uh, definitely i i noticed that in kind of the back of my throat uh and then a little, little bit of citrus too in, in the in the flavor for me yeah 100 percent uh you know the the spiciness that i crave um, and then, you know, the, the, the mercine and the, uh, limonene, you know, it's a, you know, earthy citrus taste uh, combining together. You wouldn't think normally that would be something that would taste that great, but the combinations of the little citrus notes in there, um, uh, kind of give this a, a, a nice little pickup on the exhale maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think too, with, with terpenes, I mean, the, the combinations of certain terpenes, uh, you know, they'll react uh, a certain way together too to kind of provide a, yeah, a certain flavor and effect. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, th- those three, limonene, caryophylline, mercy, though, very common, common terpenes. So kind of the classic cannabis strain here. You betcha. And this is, uh, with, uh, you know, particularly some, uh, legendary land strains, uh, in the, uh, lineage. So this is renew, uh, which is Alien Dog. It's an indica from Soleil under the Afria brand. You can find out more at www.soleil.ca and you can uh, pick it up using the click and collect. Head to the Leafly site, find uh, your favorite Nova Cannabis website uh, or store, uh, click on it, then head on over and collect it from your bud tender and my bud tender, Chris Heinsohn. Thanks a lot, Chris, for joining me as usual. I look forward to another strain next week. Yeah, right on, Dean. Thanks for having me. This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Bringing in Malcolm LaBelle, the founder of the Green Generation Co., as we discuss the latest latest uh, Bud Biz Buzz in the business of cannabis. Malka, how are you today? I'm good, Dean. Thank you. How are you doing? I am excellent, thank you. You can find more information at www.greengencompany.com. And uh, today we're talking, firstly, Melka, about education uh, when it comes to uh, marketing anything, but particularly cannabis. Yes, this is um, a topic that is almost like a no man's land, I believe, in in the Canadian cannabis space for sure. One that has a lot of people um, not really doing, (laughs) Uh, at least not doing it uh, uh, well. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Um, Yeah, and it's, it's, you know what? It's it's because um, it has to do with, I believe, that um, people that that have a business think that, you know, marketing includes, marketing is selling. 
Um, and that is true. But a key part of whenever you have a new product or something that's different, you have to educate people on that. And so, yes, a part of marketing is education. But um, it's, it's tripping people up because the cannabis laws in Canada, the Cannabis Act, was written where really promoting and marketing is a, a, a giant uh, no, no-go. Uh, it's not allowed in a lot of ways. And uh, navigating how to educate but make it not be marketing is the challenge of uh, that we're currently seeing right now. Yeah, it's um, it's it's tough for uh, cannabis brands, um, I guess, to uh, to differentiate between the two because um, you you do not want to really test the waters. First of all, um, the the regulations are very very strict in what you can do, and the penalties are very steep if you could go beyond those regulations. So it's a very tricky spot for uh, cannabis, anybody really in the, the cannabis uh, license producing or retail market. It is, and um, and I think that, you know, one of the things that you sort of have to do is, is going back to that marketing 101 um, is that just because you're, you're giving information about your product, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be from the company that you're educating on the, on the base level. And this is what I think is the problem is that there's no, I guess, no incentive. There's no real, there's no real way for people that aren't licensed producers or aren't making the product to get in just to educate the people. Cause, um, basically the, the, the part that they're selling or the part that they're, uh, they're creating value on is the education on, on cannabis. And there's just, there's, there's so much to know um, and, and, and there's so much to, to be able to understand to be not only just a, a consumer of cannabis, but also um, in the business, obviously, of cannabis that we're talking about. Um, but there's really no incentive to sell that information. Like, it's, it's hard to do that in the current environment. Um, and that's one that, like you said, the penalties from, from, the, produce, from the government are, are really high for the licensed producers. But if you're not a licensed producer, so if you're an intermediary or a service company or an ancillary company like like we are, um, you could like we can totally educate people all day long. But there really isn't a financial incentive for us to do that. Like we would just be you know selling our informa- selling information. Um, but the the way that the laws are written is that those, those intermediary companies can't even be uh, compensated for anything um, around the education piece by the people that are making their products. So it's almost like every angle that you go through to try and reach people on what the products are, how they're used, what is even the plant and, and where did it come from, um, it's sort of left up to the end user, the end person to figure it out on their own. Um, and that's something that, you know, it just hasn't been done really before. You know, like there's, there's always been a place to get base information on things that people have either gone to, like school or, you know, post-secondary or some sort of, uh, where they've been given a base understanding of the things that are around us. And when new companies come out with a new product, they're allowed to d- discuss what they are and how they work and what are the benefits and why people would want to use them and, and give people an education on how they work. Like, you know, you think about the technology, like smartphones or Apple or iPhone. Like when that stuff was new, you had no idea what it was, why they would need it. And up to Apple was allowed to talk about what it was and why they were uh, selling it and why it was valuable and why people would want it. But in this day and age, that the way that the laws are written in Canada, you can't do that. So 
companies are the legal producers, the licensed producers, and even the and even the retailers are really having scratching their heads about how to give people a base understanding of what the the cannabis plant can do for them as a consumer or or other ways. Yeah, it would be really nice uh, to see uh, generic ads with just information about the cannabis plant and where you could go to find out more generic information about the cannabis plant, not about any particular strain or any particular LP, just, you know, parts of the plant and and certain things like that. But, uh, you know, that's uh, virtually non-existent except for independent. You know, we try to give as much information on this show as possible, but I, I like the idea of education you know this is botany you know why can't this be discussed as part of other plants uh in uh the the uh the education system across canada you're right and you know that i think is a huge massive opportunity and it's really to get getting a spotlight now that education has you know even our regular education system and schooling has gone online with covid um this is an opportunity to rethink how we discuss a lot of topics when children or anybody's in their own space so there's not really that opportunity to sort of um you know cause harm because their parents are around or whatever and there's an age gating there too right so i think that there's a massive opportunity to put that information into curriculum and and the other thing is not just about the plant pieces but also i mean there's a huge you know genetic side the medicine medical side history you know cannabis is something that has a history that's the beginning of civilization like one of the things I found really interesting in my own discovery about the, the plant is that it literally touches every aspect of the things that we do and use and know. Um, from like the historical aspect is that they found, you know, genetic uh, makeup of cannabis, cannabis fibers in the Great Wall of China. You know, you have to think that was like you know, thousands of years ago that that was constructed. Like, what did they know about cannabis back then that we're not using now? And I think the opportunities for including it in industrial design and construction um, and conservation um, are just endless. I almost see that there's a possibility here that you could create an entire curriculum from K to PhD level where you're just learning about all of the ways that this plant could be used for different things. 100 percent no one has done that yet <laughs> yeah I, I, exactly it's uh it, it it well hopefully it evolves as as a lot of things are uh through legalization we're speaking with Malcolm labelle from the green generation co this is the business of cannabis on the cannabis 101 podcast you can find more information at www.greengencompany.com let's talk change makers and this is a company that i'm uh, familiar with i've had uh, an owner and a manager of the store on this program and it's spirit leaf uh, the retailer of cannabis yeah so i wanted to talk about them i mean this is a, a retailer that, that i think is sort of you know um doing a little bit of, a, of an older model for retailing, but it's working really well for them. So why, uh, what they're doing differently or that's, uh, that's an older model is the proven model of franchising. So um, franchising is obviously something that, you know, is just in many different formats and ways of business. Um, but Spearless is particularly good at because they had a, a franchise of the Watch It brand for 20 years. I mean, Darren Vonder was the, the franchise king crowned by the franchise uh, you know, industry magazine in Canada. And so he really uh, knows franchising super well. And they were able to get Spearly is actually the only franchise chain, the cannabis chain that's 
part of the franchise network, I believe, or the franchise association. So they've been recognized because the way that they've built out their platform and their stores, and I think it's the 46 now, and I understand from talking to the management teams, but they're going to be close to 80 by the end of 2020. So they were able to create a bit a model and, you know, really able to replicate that to, and that's huge in branding. So the recognition for their brand of Fearlease um, is highly visible across the country and, and they're in almost every province. And, um, there are a few um, franchise, I don't think there's any other franchise models in the cannabis sector on the retail side. There's lots of brands that have multiple stores, like your friend uh, from Nova Cannabis is on there. Uh, they, yeah, they have stores, but they're corporate stores, if I understand, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, their corporate so uh, fire and flower plant life, uh, all most of the uh, most of the stores that you see uh, repeated in different cities are corporate, other than uh, Spirit Leaf. I don't, I, I believe you're correct. I don't know of another model out there in the cannabis sector that is uh, similar to them. And you know what's cool about the franchise model in cannabis is their franchises are owned by local people, right. like right. they're like they're you know their stores and other. Like in the in the Okanagan and, and in Ontario, like in Kingston, like their, their franchises are owned by local people. So that really brings that community aspect into the store. You know, it's not just some big chain coming to take over. These are local owners and operators. They're hiring their local staff. They're knowledgeable of the local community and what people like and don't like. And there can be they can be really customer focused because their customers are their friends and neighbors. And I think that community spirit uh, really embodies what Spirit Leaf is doing and it's a made in Canada brand. So I just wanted to focus on them because I think that they're doing super well uh, with that, with that model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, it's a, a franchise model where, you know, when you go into a different Spirit Leaf, there's a, a you know, a similar vibe, but also that, uh, that, that local owner is able to put a little bit of their, their spin on things as well. So you, you get the general spirit leaf vibe and then that local community vibe. And, uh, you know, you can, uh, order online, uh, with, uh, spirit leaf, like, uh, a, a lot of the other places. So right now people want to be in and out and you want to, you know, protect the, uh, the, the bud tenders that are working at the tills. So, uh, you can uh, get your stuff online and pick it up and be in and out uh, just like we want to be right now, or we have to be right now during uh, COVID-19. Exactly. Okay, let's move on to what it means to be green. And today we're talking about greening the supply chain. And and this is something that I think is, you know, getting a lot of focus in business in general right now uh, in Canada, and particularly can uh, can be uh, the cannabis industry is is kind of following suit as well. Yeah, and this this is the ethos of my company. Um, you know, when I started my business, um, I was actually had nothing to do with cannabis. I think I spoke about that in my first episode. It was all about really about the renewable energy sector, but it, it's kind of come full circle um, because in learning about that side of things, uh, and also being in Alberta and being from the oil and gas side of things, and then learning about all of the opportunities of cannabis that have really not yet been fully uncovered. There are so many ways where um, the parts and, and different aspects of the cannabis plants could be used as inputs to replace raw materials and raw goods that are currently um, made right now with plastics or with petrochemicals uh, to replace paper, anything. So what I'm what I talk about in greening the supply chain um, is the conversation that we have with um, in my webinar on business resiliency and tactical ways to keep your business moving forward in the times of COVID, 
you know, we found that so many businesses, their products and their supply chain was based in China. That was where their products were made because it was always the cheapest. But now that our global supply chain is sort of has been interrupted um, and that this consistency and the flow and the timeliness of, of goods being manufactured overseas um, is really not as secure anymore. And we're really starting to see that. And not only from a time and distance perspective, but also from political control. Um, we're able to see now that there are company, countries like China, for example, that we're hearing that are very um, being very protective of their own country first before exporting goods. And we're seeing this in a lot of places. I mean, the U.S. has been talking about it for, for a long time. And it's been seen as a negative, and, and I understand why. But I think it, if you think about it, um, in greening the supply chain within Canada, we have so many Canadian-made products that have a greener footprint, so to speak, than some of these goods that are coming from a lot farther away. So I'm asking my clients and, and customers to really think about when looking about how you're going to put things back on the shelf or how you're going to get your business going again in COVID, um, you know, the, the lowest cost item that you previously had that did lots of things or you obviously are, are were stocking or using in your business, maybe it's the time to look at where can I get that that maybe greener or less of a carbon footprint or less of a kilometer away from your customer or from you. And that's what I mean about greening the supply chain is really look at how you can make a, a move to be, do things better for the environment and for your business by bringing them closer and by making them other materials that are more sustainable and more great. Yeah. It's uh it's part of the five W's, the where and the what, you know, what's in it and where is it made or, you know, two questions that, I think a lot of people right now are starting to ask and uh, saying, okay, well, let's order from, um, I'm just going to say Prince George instead of China. And uh, like yeah. you said, uh, limiting our footprint, uh, keeping business in Canada and knowing what's uh, particularly in it are, are, are should be two questions right now, as obviously price is, is uh, you know, going to depend uh, for a lot of people. But, uh, you know, I think in this new world, we have to start asking where and, and what, uh, as well as uh, how much. Yeah, and I mean, if it's if you can't get if it's super cheap, but you can't get it, then you it's kind of you got to cross it off the list. Like, if you, right. like you, it's not it's not available because, and even if it's cheap, right? So, so that's why I think that this conversation has really opened up people's eyes. It's like, well, wait, maybe I should rethink this a little bit. Um, and that just I think you know one of the things I think of is like you know if you're in the city, right? Like if you're we're, we're in Alberta here, but if you're in the city, could you get what you needed um, within a hundred kilometers? Um, and one of the best, best examples, and I'll, I'll leave you with this final thought, is, you know, your food supplies, like restaurants. Right. Now, I know you, uh, you've interviewed uh, the Stewart Farms people, but the whole deep water, uh, uh, the whole aquaponics world is really just getting going in, in Canada. And that has a lot to do both with cannabis and with within 100 kilometers and greening the supply chain. Uh, because maybe you can get your fish um, and your greens and other vegetables from within a hundred kilometers. Well, well, where would you go to find that? And and that's what I'm I'm doing with my clients is helping them think in that way to bring farm to table fresh food for their restaurants that doesn't involve crossing borders or promotion. And that's something that is, is, is ultimately the, the answer to breeding that supply chain that really improves everybody uh, in the long run. Wonderful stuff. Malcolm Labelle from the Green Generation Co. joins me every week for the business of cannabis. 
here on the Cannabis 101 podcast. Stay dry this week, Melka. I think it's going to be a wet one here in Alberta uh, with some rain, uh, but that will just make things green and uh, growing afterwards. We'll chat next week. Thank you. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel L. Jackson, the hobbit's leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, we changed uh, weed word of the day up a little bit. It's now weed words of the day one slang one standard and uh we'll try to educate you a little bit on both sides of uh the joint uh so our slang word we're going today is reefer uh, i'm sure you've heard of the movie reefer madness uh if you want a good chuckle about what people thought and maybe some people still think about cannabis watch reefer madness it is literally the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen uh, but webster's dictionary defines a reefer as a marijuana cigarette it uh, kind of dates back to a spanish word for uh the word grifo which it means being under the influence and this is uh, what i've read uh and it was later shortened to reefer so grifo became reefer and then reefer madness uh took over now more standard non-slang a weed word is uh two words uh, the endo cannabinoid system uh, sometimes that is shortened to ECS and this is a system of neurotransmitters that bind with cannabinoid receptors throughout the human central nervous system um, so yeah we we have uh, endocannabinoid system in our bodies uh, it's being researched for its impact on fertility pregnancy appetite pain sensation mood memory and uh, the uh, mediating the pharma- pharmacological effects of cannabis. Um, you know, it, uh, this is uh, part of how we get the uh, psychoactive effects of cannabis. And there are two more of a well-known cannabinoid receptors are CB1 and CB2. And then there are some terpenes like caryophylline or caryophylline, depending on who you are and how you say it, uh, that activate the uh, CB2 receptor into delivering the goods from the plant. So we all have an endocannabinoid system. Uh, it's being studied and, and researched. And, um, if, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if our, our body was actually designed to consume cannabis because of the system? I, I just, the, the plant is uh, so amazing. It would not, uh, it would not surprise me if uh, research finds out that uh, we were always destined to consume this plant. Um, certainly, I think I was in, in my lifetime. Uh, for sure. So that is a weed word of the day. Reefer is our slang word and went with uh, the endocannabinoid system as our more standard cannabis word. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Big thanks to Dave Damer from uh, Testfire Labs uh, for chatting with us about their new app, canary.ai. Uh, check it out. 
Uh, it's on Android. I think you can actually get it on uh, the uh, iPhone now. I was uh, looking around after the interview and I actually found it. So uh, check at that out, uh, canary.ai. So uh, big thanks to Dave for joining us. Chris Einstein, of course, Nova Cannabis, Jasper Ev. Um, he's also our educator on What's That Strain. We did Renew, which was a- which is Alien Dog from Soleil. Malcolm LaBelle also joined us from the Green Generation Co., on the business of cannabis. Don't forget to chime in on the cannabis question. What is your go-to strain for wake and bake? You can win a cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Just hit us up on any of our social media feeds and make sure you're heading to the cannabis 101 podcast.ca to sign up for the weed weekly comes out every Friday about 4:20, and that will get you into the mix for our monthly draw hope you enjoyed the show if you did please subscribe and leave us a review really important to get those reviews and i appreciate uh, the uh, kind words uh, that people have said already uh, don't have a problem with constructive criticism either if there's something you think that can make this show better i would love to hear it uh, so you can send me an email cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com if you think you would make a good guest or to be an advertiser and join the show that way That's about it. Uh, Just one more thing to do. Listen to a little marijuana song from the artist My Dead Dog. As we say goodbye, we'll talk to you in one week from today. Remember, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy.